Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And so I used to manage to watch most of the cricket. So I'd get home from work and instantly go to bed, you know, at like six o'clock. And then I'd wake up at around 11 p.m., tune in for the cricket. I think I'd try and get a nap around lunch <laughs> in the cricket, which would be like 2 a.m. But then, of course, you know, Australia is so big. If you're, it's in Sydney or in Perth, it's a totally different situation, you know, totally different ball game. Well, same ball I mean, game, but... It's the same ball game, different, different ballpark, maybe? <laughs> different ballpark, um... yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Legitimate Likes, the podcast where we take a look at some of humanity's most popular fascinations and we try to work out, are they really worthy of the hype? They may be likes, but are they legitimate likes? My name is Hugh and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Will. Hi, Will. Hello, Hugh. How are you? Will, I am fantastic because today <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited because we're being joined. We're, we're crossing hemispheres today. Um, with with our our guest um very excited about our our, our guest anyway but we've also got a, a bonus guest added on um yeah. we're, we're very excited to welcome alice fraser hi alice hi alice hello how are you um i yes i've accidentally brought a baby um yeah she just showed up and now i've had now i have to sort of integrate her into my work-life balance i'm afraid that's what babies do i guess isn't it they do they just show up i've never been too clear on the specifics but yeah yes when a mummy and daddy love each other very much and or two people make an arrangement uh, or <laughs> with a third party to access uh, eggs and sperm it's it's all very complicated nowadays but yeah, yeah. um equally valid as long as the baby's cute Right. I yeah. thought it was just if you started a podcast, you got a free baby because Michael's been looking after the legitimate likes babies. That's how you got them. Isn't it? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they're they're all our babies, really, Michael, aren't they? Uh, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. No, no, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> no. See, this is the thing. I think babies belong to the world to mm. a certain extent. I mean, there is a very uh, hard limit to that yeah, certain yeah. extent, but I do think <laughs> yeah. that. The idea that babies are sort of an individual hobby that has implications only for the individual, yeah. uh, I think, is deeply. Foolish. It takes a village. I think there's. I think there's also a thing of like when you when you wander down the street and if you 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 know people some people have the reaction to dogs some people have the reaction to babies. I'm always I'm always I wave to babies I say hi to babies Michael I feel you're the dog category are you Yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big dog guy yeah, yeah yeah absolutely I wave at the pram or the lead o- Also I, no. I don't know about you um Alice, but when uh, as soon as you have your own kids you start to ignore yeah. all other children as well you know that it's kind of all, all I sort of care about is talking to my own kids <laughs> the, the rest Oh, see, that's interesting. I still love a baby. I always okay. loved a baby. I still love a baby. I will always. I just, I, sometimes I get, I, I and my baby admire super cute other babies. I say, oh, look at that fat baby. What a cute baby that is. Every so often, Michael will try and sort of hide one of his terrible opinions <laughs> and put it on the guest and yeah. make the guest agree with it. Yeah. You hate kids, right? 
maybe maybe the legitimate like subject, although I know we discussed something else, ought to be babies because that's the thing that some people don't feel okay about liking. Yeah. For example, it's not a, it's it's a really tr- tricky thing to be a single young man who enjoys a baby. <laughs> yeah. Which I tell me about it. Dreadful shame. Like it's such a shame because. Babies, as I said before, I think they are a thing that everybody should be able to enjoy. Literally, that's their only survival mechanism is being so cute that you don't put them in the bin. Yeah. (laughs) They're meant to be adorable and charming and everyone is meant to have a vested interest in their outcome because, you know, it it is for the good of society that children grow up well-balanced and, like, safe because who do you want wiping your ass when you're in a nursing home? Do you want somebody who was loved as a child? Like, come on. It sounds like your baby is doing the baby translation of what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so sorry. This is the problem because she can't hear you. She thinks we're having a conversation. It's like we're in the International Criminal Court in The Hague. And yeah, she's she's streaming live to all the the massive baby audience. Here's their excuse for climate change. (laughs) I've never never done this podcast with such like a painful grin on my face. I can't stop grinning. This is the nicest thing. So Hugh's a primary school teacher, so he gets to hang out with kids a lot. I mean, that is is the one way to do it. The other thing that I recommend is going around with a single female friend of yours because somehow the presence of a woman (laughs) sort of makes you feel less threatening to... I I think it's a real shame. I'm I'm always... uh, I walk around with my baby in a little sling in front of me facing outwards uh, and I feel like you know, I try to say with my face, yes, you can enjoy this baby. Isn't she great? And that's yeah. so not, I mean, I said hello to a baby only today, you know, and, and a surprise baby actually as well, because the, I was in a shop and there was a woman in front of me and I couldn't see the, the baby carrier on her chest. And then she turned and a, a big old baby got me straight between the eyes, you know, and it was such a lovely, lovely event in the day, you know. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a true thing. Um, so we can talk about that or we can talk about the thing that I was originally going to talk about. Do I introduce that or do you? Oh, we, we, that is a good question. I suppose we, we, Michael normally normally yeah. stays quiet at the start of the podcast, but he's already, he's been too enchanted. <laughs> like, you're, yeah. You're just, yeah, yeah. Michael, have you got any other thoughts about babies that you want to try and see if Alice agrees with? <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I also... Uh, uh, front-facing carry uh, our, our, our youngest but what I would recommend is also putting another larger child on your back and sort of doubling up mm. it's good you know it's good for balance oh, and it also move. sort of multiplies the, the general goodwill that you'll experience yeah yeah so yeah so I was a twin okay. I am a twin and okay. my dad used to carry us around like that one on the front one on the back amazing, amazing. but shouldn't you really just as a defense mechanism have the one on the back facing out as well <laughs> so like you're covered at all times you know it, it makes me feel very Krang like if anyone watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a child I feel like that yeah or that little guy on um, in Mad Max Thunderdome who's attached to the big guy <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad you brought up Mad Max because I just assume, like, particularly if we start talking about sci-fi, you're in Australia. Yeah. Like, I just assume oh. Mad Max is going on at all times there. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, to I mean, in one, like, really boring way, yes. So George Miller, if you know, was a, a doctor and he spent a lot of time working in the emergency ward. And in Australia, particularly at the time that he was working, there was a massive rash of young men wrecking themselves in car accidents. It was a very okay. normal cultural thing for young men to go out drunk and, and go on joy rides and, wow. you know, make fools of themselves. And there was just a massive death toll. Uh, among young men and 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 he wanted to make a movie among other things but uh, one of the things that he said was that he wanted to make a movie that showed the damage that cars could do that treated cars as these sort of monstrous beasts Mm. and showed the wreckage that they leave behind them but he made it so cool Yes, this is unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this, is a, this is a different question, is whether you can, for example, ever really make an anti-war film, because mm. no matter how yeah, bad yeah. it looks, yeah. it is still a spectacle, and by yeah. the nature of it being a spectacle, yeah. it, it cannot be a, a powerful sort of rhetorical thing. Like, Full Metal Jacket was meant to be an anti-war yeah, yeah. uh, propaganda film, and it, it boosted joining the marines by just an enormous amount people yeah. love it and apparently they all spend their whole time quoting full metal jacket at one another uh, in the marines because for, for whatever reason it's it's made yeah, yeah. them feel cool about themselves yeah. 
Do you've listened to all I... 80 episodes of the podcast, I presume? I, I have, yes. Yeah, okay, uh, very quickly. I, I listen to all podcasts on double speed. Um, <laughs> and also I watch YouTube videos on 1.5 speed because if I'm going to waste my time, I'm going to do it efficiently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because uh, I suppose we, we struggle quite frequently to, to get a podcast out. We do manage it, but it's, it's a struggle sometimes to get a podcast out every week. And then every now and then I remember... Yeah, but Alice Fraser was doing a daily podcast at one time. And I don't know what it did to your brain, because simply being aware that you were doing that was melting my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, if for people who don't know, that's the last post that was... It still is on, online. Mm. It's a daily satirical news podcast right. set in an alternate dimension. Speaking of science fiction, it was yeah. very much a science fiction universe. And that was... Uh, I started that at the beginning of, of 2020, and I spent January and February just kicking myself, thinking I cannot keep up with all my other work, I can't do live work, everyone else is working on their solo shows, what have I done? And then by March, I thought, I am the luckiest person in the world. I'm being paid <laughs> to work seven days a week. Yeah. I have a project that is keeping me sane. It was... I, and because it was a... a I didn't have to deal with the actual news. I could sort mm. of put it through a filter. Mm. I could deal with the with my guests and everything. We could we could deal with the madness that was going on in a on a kind of an emotional level. Yeah. <laughs> Express our kind of sense of of derangement without actually having to talk about what yeah, was yeah. going on in direct terms. And so I think that's one of the things that science fiction in general is very good for. You can express these like deep human loves and needs and fears. Um, without actually having to go, yeah, COVID's yeah. bad, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. and other than COVID, like, what what other things would be the greatest moments in your life? Yeah. <laughs> like obviously, that's a clear number one. You know. Well, I mean, genuinely, the last post did a good deal for my brain. It. Uh, ah, off you go. Say bye bye. Oh. Um, oh no. Oh no, she's been kidnapped. <laughs> She doesn't want to go either. Um, that often happens when guests are removed from the from the podcast. <laughs> I want to be here forever. Um, but yeah, it uh, it was a really good project for me, partly because it kept me sane, and partly because I no longer have that feeling that I will ever run out of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I because I, specifically because of the on the long running joke of half a glass of water. Um, which is that I had an ad section on that podcast. It was funded by ads and I felt very uncomfortable about advertising anything really. Um, and so I did a fake ads section to sort of take the sting out of the, the real out one. of the real ads to bite the hand that fed me. Yum, 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 yum. And, <laughs> tasty, tasty. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, I was sort of thinking about that and why I felt so weird about running ads. I thought, what would I feel comfortable advertising? I thought I can, I can, you could advertise half a glass of water. That's mm. almost never the wrong answer. Um, it was almost never going to make a situation worse, except in yeah. some specific <laughs> chemical. Um, and, and so I started writing jokes for half a glass of water, and I ended up writing one joke every day. And so cool. I've kept doing it. So now I have reached this point where that fear of running out of jokes, I'm like, no. You don't run out of jokes. You can write a new joke about half a glass of water. very liberating, all right. Every day for a year. Yeah, it really is mm. just such a relief. You're like, oh, I can actually... When you reach the bottom of the well, there's always another half glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing way of forcing yourself into the exercise of writing every day. That's a, well, that's a great bit of advice. Just do a daily podcast that's a mm. spin-off in an alternate reality of an existing <laughs> one. And you'll be able to write jokes every day. Why didn't anyone else think of it? I know. <laughs> Um, it's, it's another of those situations though I suppose Alice where because I suppose primarily on the, the bugle initially and because I've, I've heard you so often again we run into that awkward situation where in my mind we're already friends you know oh yeah um, because I'm like well I, you know you, you listen to people for long <laughs> enough and you're like oh yeah gotta check in on what they're up to you know and so like I assume that if I ever walked past Andy's Oldsman in the street you know the, the conversation would just instantly begin you know, about cricket <laughs> hi Hugh how you doing yeah, yeah exactly you know and he, he, he knows um, I mean I'm gonna out Will straight away as telling me yeah. before we started recording he was like oh yeah I walked past Alice in Edinburgh and smiled at her because I thought I knew her we walked past each other in Gilded Balloon and uh, 
I smiled and I was like, oh, that's my friend. And then I was like, oh, no, that's just fun. <laughs> I remember that. I, re- I genuinely, I remember that. Really? Uh, you have a familiar looking face. Oh, so I was like, oh, I must know that person. So this is genuine. I, I, I have a Patreon um, and I do salons on it, particularly for this reason, because I mm. feel so... I don't mind people who assume we're friends because I like most people and I, I like to be... Yeah shortcut friends with people I like to have that kind of leap ahead because I don't enjoy introducing and explaining myself oh, this is what I am this is what I like you know we're, so it's sort of I get to kind of I feel like it's a privilege to be able to jump ahead on that yeah. but there are some people who put you up on a pedestal and that kind of like I don't mind people who almost presume that we're friends on the same level but people who are like oh my god you're so amazing oh. I, I find it really uncomfortable and mm. so I do these salons where I talk to people and we just have conversations like people because it's almost this urgency when I meet someone who has me on a pedestal to be like, oh, no, 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 I'm a, I'm a person and yeah. you're a person. Ah, yeah, we're both yeah, people. Yeah. Speaking of putting someone on a pedestal, Michael, I mean, you, yeah. you just do that for yourself, not for, not for anyone else. But Yeah, no, no further assistance required. Is, is yeah. that just because yeah. you're very short, though? <laughs> so you can't see it there, Alice. Michael's actually only five foot one. So, Come on! In his in his boots. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out I'm Joe Rogan syndrome. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You take that back. <laughs> it's the worst thing that's ever been said on the podcast. Um, Michael, why are why are we all here today? I suppose. Yeah. So our topic uh, for this week is also I sci- should say what has already too sci-fi for me is that we're here on different days. Yes. It's Friday here. It's wild. Alice is, is there in yes. a sunny morning. We're here on a sort of icy, snowy night, and yeah, I but and, and at some point during the recording, we're, we're going to be days. on the same. We're going to be on the same day. We're going to move into wow. yeah, wild the next day. Yeah. Absolutely wild. Michael, should we should we talk about the subject? Yeah. We, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. This is. <laughs> We're, I always like it when we get a guest who we're like, oh, they're too interesting and charming. We can't get on to yeah. the next thing. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. No yeah. point. Let's just talk about babies again. Uh, I'm so sorry. So this this week we're talking about science fiction, uh, a genre of speculative fiction, which typically deals with imaginative and futuristic concepts such as advanced science and technology, space exploration, time travel, etc., etc., etc. So we're going to cover the books, the movies. Uh, I'll even allow science fantasy in here, just because it's a Friday night, feeling a little charitable. Or Saturday morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Science fiction is one of those things, like the difference between pornography and erotica. You know it when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you tell me where I could see that? Actually, <laughs> that would be great. Do you have any links? <laughs> um, Literally <laughs> anywhere on that. I do remember just... there was a. This is a story from. Um, uh, a friend of mine, when when I was, I used to work in, I used to work as a criminal lawyer, but from a, a friend who was also working there, who borrowed the phone of a prison guard to look something up, but the, <laughs> the search history, <laughs> the only two, the only two things that had been searched were Wicklow Gaelic football and free porn. <laughs> it's like, so so innocent, you know. <laughs> It sounds like a campaign, though. It sounds like liberating. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. My favorite, uh, my favorite quote from pornography uh, is not from any pornography that I've ever seen, but I read an article about uh, people nice. who write scripts for porno- pornography, and uh, one of the writers was saying that their favorite line was in a uh, pornography based on a fairy tale. Uh, I think it was some take on you know Cinderella or something, and uh, after delivering fellatio the the lady turns to the camera and says i knew one day my prince would come <laughs> very good so very i do good. have a favorite quotation Amazing. yeah i didn't expect that question to be fruitful at all i also didn't expect <laughs> the word deliver fellatio to <laughs> occur on the podcast is there like a click and collect option as well as like just delivery or like how does it oh, it's lick and collect surely <laughs> Oh. I, I, do you know what? I just, I knew I could do it, but I knew I shouldn't as well, mm. and uh, yeah, I still did. Yeah. <laughs> well, as as a as a keen listener to the show, you'll know that we start off uh, every episode with a three question quiz to work out how much you all know uh, about mm. the topic at hand, and this is collaborative, so you can you can all confer. Um, mm. So, uh, question one. Um, Isaac Asimov is considered to be one of the fathers of science fiction. 
He wrote over 500 books, hundreds of them in the sci-fi genre. I'm going to give you three Isaac Asimov stories, two of which are real and one of which I've made up. I'm going to try and work out which is the one that I've, that I've made up. Amazing. Uh, so the first one is Jesus of the Farmyard. A scientist develops a way to speak with chickens and they take him as their messiah, eventually convincing him to lead their revolt against mankind. That was Jesus of the Farmyard. Second one is Time Pussy. Cat-like creatures which exist across four dimensions, meaning that, that they have a strange relationship with time. They digest their meals three hours before eating them and mew in reaction to strangers a day in advance. So that was Time Pussy. And then the third option is The Immortal Bard. William Shakespeare is brought through time to the present day. He anonymously enrolls in a night school course on the works of Shakespeare, but the teacher doesn't like his interpretations and fails him, leading him to return to the 17th century. That was the immortal bard. So two are real, one I've made up. Uh, which is the made up one? Is it Jesus of the Farmyard, Time Pussy, or the immortal bard? So I know that Time Pussy is real. Have you read it, Alice? Uh, yes, it's a fine short story. I don't love Asimov as mm. a science fiction writer, despite the fact that he's sort of a giant in the field. I find his... Uh, I mean, it's its a thing that I find tricky about the Golden Age sci-fi writers in particular, um, and not to make things gendery, but it's a very masculine way of writing, mm. which is quite clinical, um, and it's more about the, the technical problem that they're setting for themselves, which is a, a, a way of, of fun. But I quite enjoy more recent science fiction where... It is kind of heading into maybe space opera territory or mm. science fantasy territory where you have emotional landscapes playing a relevant part in the story mm. and a pivotal part in the story because I think there is this um, fallacy that science is clean and it's not to do with people. It's yeah. just a sort of a mathematical mm. equation, whereas the reality is what you study with science, how far you pursue it, what you're interested in, all of those are emotional decisions. And the way that science is driven is actually very emotional. What, what, what inspires wonder, what inspires money, like all of those things uh, shape the tools that are created and then those tools that are used then to explore science. So the idea that you can have science, that the science is better the further away it is from people, mm. I think is wrong. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, I think Jesus of the Farmyard is the fake one. That's the best answer we've ever had on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It it's... came in response to the name of the book, Time Pussy. I can't believe it. <laughs> and also correct. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, well done. Yeah, Jesus of the Farmyard, that was all me. So... That, was, that was all George Orwell, I think, Michael, to be fair. Yeah, actually, you just yeah, stole really Animal close. Farm. That's true. I wonder where that one came from. <laughs> you, you, put, you put Chicken Run and Animal Farm together. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, I feel like you're going to knock this one out of the park then, because uh, question two uh-huh. is, can you name... I, I had being set up to fail. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you found that one so easy. See what you like about this. Um, can you name two, any two film adaptations of the works of Philip K. Dick? And I'm not even going to give you any options here. I'm just going to... What, what? Oh, my goodness. Everything is a, yeah. an adaptation of... of... Didn't yeah. he write Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And he therefore did. Blade yes, Runner. Yes, he did. Yeah. Tick. He did. He wrote uh, Through a Mirror Darkly. Um, that was a Keanu Reeves. Also Tick. Uh, book. I mean, like, basically almost any modern science fiction uh, book. He wrote The Man in the High Castle. Mm. He, he, um, the book, uh, the, the adaptation that is now Altered Carbon was based on Philip K. Dick uh, book. He wrote, like, you just... Or, yeah, it's, it's very difficult yeah. to think of a thing that, Jesus, that Michael, wasn't... Jesus, Michael, it's a stupid question. Come on. Alice's baby could have answered that. Well, I was looking for Minority Report and, and Total Recall, so I'm going to give you half a point. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking for two films that you like and specifically wanted to mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though you, I also listed the ones that you gave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah well done. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Why did you want us to mention them, Michael? Do you have a particular soft spot for them? I love Total Recall. Love Total Recall. Yeah, yeah it's a great film. Obviously not the remake. The original. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Alice, um, a favorite of yours? I mean, I mean, I, I you're gonna love Blade Runner. Yeah. I I didn't like Minority Report, but that's because it had weird things with eyes. Yeah, uh, which also weirdly Blade Runner has as well. Mm. Creepy eye yeah. stuff. I'm not yeah, a big yeah. a fan of creepy eye stuff. Total Recall also creepy eye stuff. Lot, um, uh, yeah, with those weird yeah, yeah. bulging. 
yeah. eyes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just look. I don't know. Uh, I think it's, it, Philip K. Dick, Dick stories seem very straightforward, and yet they are often adapt, adapted into these very yeah. sort of convoluted stories. I'm mm. interested by that. What it is about them that sort of leads to complexity in the stories. Uh, when actually often they're fairly simple and straightforward short stories. Padding, got to get 90 minutes out of it. Got to get bombs on seats. Yeah, that's yeah, what true. it is. Yeah, thanks, Hollywood. Um, question three. From which science fiction characters do the following quotes come? Ooh. Uh, so actually the first one you can just give me the film. Uh, and it's the only good bug is a dead bug. Oh. Uh. I know the uh, I know the one, but I am stuck for the name. It's a great um, film. It's a great speaking film. Speaking of anti-war propaganda, um, that was uh, one of those ones that I think people made a mistake with in thinking yeah. it wasn't as ironic at, yes. as it was. Yes. Um, oh, um, um, spaceship troopers. Starship troopers. Like yeah, Starship. That's, Starship. That's, that's the one. That's yeah. it. Which actually has a link to Total Recall, right? Because I think they were both Paul Verhoeven films. Um, a great yes. film. Yeah, great, great film. It's great. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. That deserves an episode. Sometime in the future we'll do that. But, but yeah, I think I, I remember because when I watched that and someone did say it to me, like it was it was kind of... I remember hearing this about Stephen Colbert, that when he started his um, Stephen Colbert character in The Colbert Rapport, like it was beloved by sort of left-wing and right-wing audiences because the left-wing audiences were like, look at him, he's ridiculous. And the right-wing audiences are kind of like, eh, he's, he's funny, but he also talks some sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, it was that thing of Paul Verhoeven deliberately doing all these, like, shots straight from, you know, Nazi and communist propaganda, yeah, 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 yeah. like, deliberately yeah. doing this kind of beat-for-beat beat, mm. uh, take on on war propaganda and so many people just sort of swallowed it whole. Yeah, no, it's it scary, cool. all right. Also, the films still look great today, like a lot of practical effects, and they hold up really, really well. Yeah. Um, quote quote number two, then. So I'm going to ask you to to tell me which character said this. Of all the souls I've encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Oh, I know that. But I only know it, Michael, because you used to say it, I'd say, twice a day when we were in college. <laughs> like, oh, anytime you bump into someone. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely Star Trek, but I'm not sure if it's about Data or Spock. Data or Spock, rather. It, it, or someone else. It is the most human. It was... Do you know who said it? Any guesses? Hugh? Is it is it Kirk about Spock? It's Kirk uh, Kirk on Spock. It is. It is. It yeah. is. It's uh, Kirk on Spock. Yeah. It's from Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Uh, when Spock, spoiler alert, dies. Um, but uh, spoiler alert, he comes back in a later film, so it's okay. Um, so he comes back like eighteen times in different formats. <laughs> yeah, I've saved a lot of people a lot of time there. So. Um, um, oh yeah, you can save people time on Star Trek. The, uh, Star Trek: the, the Next Gen is the story of a sad man who learns how to play poker with his friends. That's, that's a very deep cut. Sounds quite nice. Anyone who would, at the so at the beginning they're playing uh, poker and uh, Picard comes in and is like sort of not part of the group, which actually mirrored the casting um, uh, at the time. Uh, sort of this theatre actor being thrust into the midst of a ridiculous sci-fi television show and wanting to take things much more seriously than anyone else did. And then by the end, he plays a nice game of poker with his friends. And actually, when you think about it, Picard is a perfect name for someone who's going to play poker. <laughs> Final quote then. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Uh, that's Yoda. It is Yoda. It is Yoda. In, I think... I mean, if the syntax didn't tip... tip <laughs> yeah, when true. does he say that? Uh, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, when he's when he's coaching Luke, he's consoling Luke about the the death of Obi Wan. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful line. Yeah, incredible. Mm. So yeah, that's it. I mean, look, smash the quiz, Alice, Q, Will, not 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 so much, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> I've never felt more out of my depth. It's, it's one of those where within the first few minutes, I'm like. Oh, the guest knows a lot about this topic. Okay, <laughs> I'm so sorry. We we got off our game. I mean, we have the classic lineup of of podcasts, which is three boys going. Oh, don't know anything about this. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's nice to have someone who actually knows something. <laughs> mm. Well, I think one of my uh, one of my terrible sort of 
I feel like every good quality has a bad quality sort of strapped to the back of it. It's a two-headed coin or something. Like a baby on the front and a baby on the back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. Uh, If one of the babies on the front was a good baby and the one on the back was an evil baby. Uh, But are they just just evil because you've stuck them on the back? I don't know. Uh, It's a a real question. Or have you stuck them on the back because you don't want to look at them because they're evil? These things feed into one another. Um, uh, I I have a very uh, erratic sort of memorization function um which means that i remember some things very very specifically and then normal things like w- whether i left the oven on or whether we arranged for it to be 9 or 10 a.m i just completely fall out of my head <laughs> so uh the the one the worst bit about it is i i as a, a big nerdy kid i used to um memorize poetry and the way that i would memorize poetry is by reading it aloud just a thing that I thought would be cool, and that says a lot about who I was <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> so it'd be cool to know a lot of poetry, and I now I know a lot of poetry, and no one thinks it's cool. There's loads um, of kids reading poems down by the bike sheds. Oh, I want to hang out with those guys. <laughs> Let me see your iambic pentameter. Um, I... If I read something out loud about 10 times, it's stuck in my head forever. Mm, Uh, Let me tell you what having a child involves. (laughs) Now, I know about 40 children's books off by heart and they just keep piling up and I don't know how to get them out of my head. Any any favourites? Any favourites? Any ones that you look forward to rereading? Uh, I mean, there's a reason that Julian, Julia Donaldson and Axel Schaeffler are such stars of yeah, the children's amazing, book amazing. genre. It's because yeah. they rhyme and they scan yeah. and the rhythm is usually on, yeah. uh, unlike many books where there's like yeah, a slight, yeah. slight laziness about whether something uh, properly rhymes. But um, Superworm uh, is very good. And there's a line, I think, in Superworm that is genuinely good poetry. If you don't know Superworm, it's the one that begins, Superworm is super strong, Superworm is super long. Watch him wiggle, see him squirm, hip, hip, hooray for Superworm. Uh, But there's the baddie is the lizard wizard, and he has a henchman who's a crow. Uh... Why, why am I telling you? No, I'm really... I'm, you've I'm, never you're enjoyed in an episode now. so much. You're in my world yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. So there's the lizard, lizard wizard. Uh, and, yes. And obviously um, sidekick is a crow, natural. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Uh, and the, the line that I really like, actually, I might not have it uh, fully, but it's the, the the henchman crow is black and grim. Everyone is scared of him, mm. <laughs> which I think Beautiful. is actually a genuinely Beautiful. good line yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah. poetry. Yeah. And again, there's a kind of chicken and an egg. Well, I suppose crow and an egg discussion there, you know, as to which which begat the other, you know. <laughs> if everyone's scared of you, you got to be evil. Yeah. Joe yeah. Rogan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Crow Rogan, Joe Krogan. I'm more of a snail on the snail on the whale guy myself, but that's that's okay. I'll give yeah, Super Worm. You're a try. pretty basic though, <laughs> Michael, you, aren't you? Can yeah. you drop, drop some bars from Snail on a Whale, please, Michael. Oh, uh, 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 <laughs> I can. I can remember all the pictures, but I can't yeah, I can remember all the pictures. Well, no, we know um, a very clear ranking of the parents. Of the parents, of this yeah, we really do. Yeah. We really do. Michael's uh, got a good child strapped to his front and the evil child strapped to his back, <laughs> reading yeah. no stories. There's a lot of in, in swam Tiddler at half past three. Uh, Tiddler was, yeah, 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 I don't know, I don't know. That's, no, Tiddler is from Tiddler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a, di- from that's, a, that's a different book. That's a different that's book. A different book. <laughs> that's the book oh about God. Tiddler. I can't believe Alice is you not told me right. actually... That's Tiddler. This is the, Tiddler the, the storytelling the snail fish. And the whale is, this is the tale of a tiny snail and a great big grey blue humpback whale. whale. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh you my can't hype man, Alice. You can't jump in on the last <laughs> you've line shamed, that you've shamed me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll cut all that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Alice, you, uh, we, I guess we, we gave you a, a list of topics, and you jumped on sci-fi as one. So, uh, like, clearly, look, it's 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 a love of yours, um, and it sounds like you're you're coming into this already all set up to say that sci-fi is a legitimate like. Is that is that where you're coming at this from? Well, yes, I think I I spend a lot of time, or have spent a lot of time in the past, sort of defending genre fiction, and I I, I jumped on sci-fi, but I would equally have jumped on crime fiction or uh, romance fiction, and maybe even more romance mm. fiction than sci-fi, which are these genres that are maybe looked down on because they uh, 
they're formulaic or they're considered uh, generic, <laughs> like yeah, by, yeah, by, yeah. Uh, sort of by definition, <laughs> yeah. um, that they, they hit these archetypes or that they're satisfying or that they're pleasurable and that somehow that pleasure delegitimizes them. Yeah. Uh, and that real art ought to be difficult and unpleasant <laughs> and um, <laughs> sort of irresolute, that it shouldn't be satisfying. And I think yeah. that is stupid and wrong. Uh, I think that's <laughs> it comes back to that thing of like you know when when oh, the, there was a vote for the greatest the greatest book of the twentieth century and you know Ulysses won in a canter and again it's it's the book that you know you, people were probably making sure to have on their shelves and I mean. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are people who understand and read Ulysses a lot better than I did. But I'm like, yeah, just rather read Agatha Christie, yeah, yeah. Though, you know, well, it, yeah. like, when it comes down to it's it. It's the lie at the heart of Tolstoy, the idea that unhappy families are, you know, all alike and uh, all mm. different in interesting ways and happy families are all alike. And that's not true at all, actually. Happiness is no. a really difficult yeah. thing and joy is a really difficult thing to capture and communicate and give to other people. And it is, I think, a really worthwhile thing. Like like uh, P.G. Woodhouse or Georgette Heyer, they write with such deftness and lightness and and specificity that so many people can come mm. to these books that were written like in very specific time periods and with very specific moral codes that don't apply anymore and yet they still give joy. You know, I think that's astonishing. Yeah, and because I... <laughs> someone gave me a book recently, a novel, and I pretty much only read fiction, but on the front of the novel, it, like one of the quotes was lyrical and beautiful, and I was like, oh, I'm not going <laughs> to like this. Sounds boring, you know? And yet, I think it's funny because whenever someone says to me, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that people who say this are wrong or snobbish or anything, but when someone says to me, oh, it's so beautifully written, I'm normally like, oh, I don't really care about that you know like i want a really good plot and maybe it's just a, like different a good type of a good rough of book. writing but but the, but the <laughs> exception i take i would make is when it's sort of more humorous writers like woodhouse or like terry pratchett i love terry pratchett but like otherwise like i want something that's gonna rollick <laughs> along you know for for however long and yeah i don't want a oh that the, the language is just so well florid writing is only ever noticeable if it's very very good or very very bad yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. And for the most part, you would rather just not notice the, the writing at all. You'd just rather be sort of yeah, plunged into the story. Yeah. And then occasionally there's a nice, a nice turn of phrase that you might really, mm, delicious. Uh, mm. But yeah, I think that it's uh, the idea that genres are not legitimate, I think is is silly. It's funny though whoa, as whoa, whoa. well. And she's just taken I... apart the entire premise of our show. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so in, in a very... It was loose at best. From the in a very yeah. considered manner as well. Like, I mean, to... we unintentionally took it apart as soon as it began, Michael. No, it's funny because I, I definitely, um, like, there was definitely a long time where I would have been like, oh, I'm not really into fantasy. Mm. And yet I then look at what I read and, like, it's all fantasy. It's not all fantasy, but there's a huge amount of fantasy. I'm like, oh, but you know, it's not really fantasy because, like, it's not about, like, you know, weird. Like it's 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 basically just characters, and, and I was like, no, you, you just you just read fantasy. Yeah. you just like fantasy. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. Well, the idea you know? of the idea of thinking outside the box and originality is all well and good, mm. um, but thinking inside the box is also a, a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. To take these parts that we're familiar yeah. with, these structures that we're familiar, the archetypes that we're familiar with, and then build something new out of them is, I think, immensely impressive. Mm. Uh, and I also Absolutely, don't often yeah. find. Um, sort of literary fiction very original actually it's sort of mm. it's often just w wallowing in in human failure <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast yeah yeah we've got our cold open <laughs> um, <laughs> so as a as a i'm, I'm gonna call you a sci-fi fan and and guys this is, a, this is a question for you for you as well um, which which sci-fi universe would you most like to live in? So of all the sort of worlds that have been created, which one do you think you'd fit into best? Hmm. Hugh, I could see you as a very fetching droid, for example. I think Hugh would oh, really, yeah. yeah, 100%, right? Great diction, very, very good posture. Yeah, if I know? could just, 
but but again it always comes back to this thing that I'm a massive coward so if I could be like a droid in like the stock room for a bookshop done grand but like I don't want to be out I don't want to be on the Millennium Falcon plugged in you're not part of the rebellion no I don't want to be dropped dropped onto Tatooine you know I don't I don't want any of that stuff I don't want to be taken apart I don't want to be smashed to bits up in Cloud City or whatever it is you know like yeah, a nice safe droid job. Would that yeah, be okay? Yeah, sure, sure. We we need loads of safe droids. Yeah, Alice, you 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 look like you've got you you you've been thinking about this. Look like your your cogs are worrying. I, I, I genuinely have never thought about it. I, I find it quite easy to draw the line between fiction and reality. I don't know about you. Uh, no, I. <laughs> Um, you cut to the core of me Alice he doesn't even have kids (laughs) (laughs) that was clear from how little he knew about children's books to be fair (laughs) Uh, I I genuinely don't know uh, which science fiction universe I would rather live in Um, I mean Star Trek probably right particularly the early seasons of Star Trek where one of the things that um, the later writers of Star Trek found so difficult was that Gene Roddenberry refused to let any of the main characters ever be um, flawed. Yeah, yeah, They couldn't be making decisions for the wrong reasons out of uh, venality or, or, or yeah. sort of um, spite. It always had to be that they, you know, this, essentially this Asimov thing of like two incompatible sets of instructions yeah. uh, had to be in play and it made it very difficult for the writers. Uh, it was things like... Um, Deep Space Nine that let the writers bring in these non-Star Trek characters, so they could act out of out of emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, every planet had its had one atmosphere, and every sort of species had one emotion, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think if you if you if you want to live in a world where people are treated as equals um, and their sort of personal background is irrelevant until you know, you happen to go to the planet of the Native Americans yeah. and, you yeah. know, like, and that's when Chakotay's, like, history comes in relevant. Um, I think that's sort of a nice model to live with, that, it, you know, I don't care what you are, yeah. you know, as long as you're doing the right things and then what you are occasionally comes in relevant when it's, like, your celebration day or yeah. something like that. Plus, so, plus you, you get to fire up the holodeck every now and then. That's fun too. Yeah. 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 I mean, speaking of speaking of uh, search terms, free porn. Come on, <laughs> tell me that holodeck wasn't just covered in jizz, just coated. <laughs> Clean up in holodeck four, please. <laughs> Riker I would never want to go into the room in case something untoward was happening. <laughs> but I guess the door closed. Is there a lock on the holodeck door? <laughs> There's a sock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and uh, photon torpedo burials. You know, great features that of, sounds a, of like the universe. Porn. What's that? <laughs> That's you get you get when you get fired out of a starship in a photon torpedo. It's a beautiful way still to go. Sounds, still sounds porny <laughs> to me, Michael. You haven't clarified at all. I was going to ask, like, and again, I suppose this comes back to just categorizing things into neat boxes. But like, where, like, what's the difference between fantasy and sci-fi? Like, because I know there are there are things that we'd call sci-fi like like Star Wars or Star Trek and there's things that we call fantasy like uh, Lord of the Rings but but what makes is is there a is there a dividing line or even a dividing broad line No I think I mean I would say no I, there's plenty of people that would argue mm. yes um and I think often it's sort of almost more a matter of tone and more a matter of mm. focus mm. in the text um, but far too often you have science fiction where the science is not speculative, it's just hand-waving, it's just magic. Mm, yeah. um, and so rather than a spaceship, you have a dragon, and rather than a dragon, you have a spaceship, and it's sort of interchangeable as to the actual function of that item in the universe. Yeah. So I would say um, probably science fiction is a far narrower definition if you're really going to like get mm, down to mm. what the category is which is somebody who has written from a grounding of science or extending science that already exists in a realistic direction um, even if that direction is very far forward that's probably it so for, for example um, if you have a, a space story 
then you have faster than light travel, which doesn't exist, but there is research into whether it could exist and it's sort of the, the only way that we could get to the stars. And if you want to have something that's set in the stars, then you need to have faster than light travel or wormhole travel or some other kind of workaround for that. I I almost think that that's such a um, a kind of a built-in premise that it doesn't count as yeah, science yeah, fiction. Yeah. yeah, It just counts as sort of background mm-hmm. setting because... Yeah in order to write that story, you don't need to have engaged with the science. However, for example, something like um, a uterine replicator, the idea that you can have babies outside of the womb, which lets you have, you know, Mm. clones or uh, communally owned children or changes the status of women in society or, you know, that kind of thing. That is technology that exists already and is being explored already. They They can do a lamb from, I think, like two months gestation through to Mm. birth and they seem to be fine that's actually technology that exists so it's possible that within our lifetimes you will see babies born out of bags and what are the implications of that and will they be uh, well balanced or will they be sort of psychologically damaged and will we ever get to that point only if you've one on the front and one on the back (laughs) yeah exactly and it it sort of sounds grotesque to us now but so did in utero fertilization sorry in vitro fertilization not so long ago people were sort of terrified and worried about that and now it's a pretty standard way to have children if you can't do it in your body. Um, mm. So that stuff is hard science fiction in my mind. Um, but often I think from the outside or for some people it doesn't have the right tone because it's about women and bodies and babies. So science that fiction that's about that kind of guns, science yeah. sort of real, it ends up in this kind of emotional realm that is seen as incompatible with the kind of Asimov-style golden age science fiction. Mm. Um, so when I say, uh, yes, I can give you helpful categories, I've just actually said no. Well, I think, yeah. But that's a very Australian thing to do. Yeah, nah, yeah. <laughs> no, in a very interesting way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, as you say, it's kind of building on a canon there. So things like wormholes and time travel. And, like, there's a there's a generally understood set of tropes that, that sort of most science, science fiction kind of plays by. And uh, I guess one of the which questions... Which is the fun thing about genres in general, yeah. which is that you can yeah. go... F- yeah. with, you don't have to start from the beginning every time. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can actually yes. go yeah. off other people's work. Yeah. And in fact, it's something I remember hearing on a, this is a great podcast. I don't know if you know it, Alice, The Incomparable, which has been one of the one of the older podcasts. Um, I think it might be the first podcast I listened to um, around the same time as The Bugle, actually, right back around 2007. And uh, But... They do a lot of, they basically talk a lot about comics, books, uh, TV shows, films, and uh, they're magnificent nerds. <laughs> they're just fantastic. Um, but I remember one of them, I think it might have been Jason Snell, the host, was saying like the great thing, like one of the lasting legacies of Back to the Future was that if you write a science fiction film and you don't want to come up with your own rules for time travel, it's you everyone assumes it's back to the future rules yes you know, everyone the grandfather knows those paradox rules. if you go back applies yeah it changes things you'll disappear from photos you know like that's the basic time travel rule if you want to deviate you can but if not we all just assume that's what we're working off yeah and that's one of the great things about 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 genre fiction and science fiction as well is that you have this like all art is a dialectic process you you go off what has been done before you either extend Mm. what exists or you act in contradiction to what exists you're either saying i'm not going to do this uh time travel uh, norms or i'm going to make my own or i'm going to sit with that and then take it further what step what's the next implication what if you do disappear from a photograph Mm. what happens then you know you can explore these realms and it's it's this really lovely and again I think this is one of the reasons why people mistrust it or delegitimize it. It is a really lovely collaborative process. It's folklore. It is mm. communal in a way that contradicts the idea of the artist as sole auteur. Um, it sort of it it brings the telling of the story into the realm of everybody. Um, you know, any kind of modern romance novel is essentially fan fiction about fan fiction because mm-hmm. Georgette Heyer was such an influence and sure. she was writing historical fiction in the 30s about the Regency and so everyone's take is a take on a take in the way that uh, every Arnold Schwarzenegger impression is an impression of people doing an impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> rather than a direct impression. Um, but that's a wonderful thing, actually. Yeah. And Michael, speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger... I don't know what you were talking about! <laughs> <laughs> <A classic. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> well, that's one of the authentic ones. I am doing an impression directly of him. So uh, we're, we're, we're close friends. <laughs> and by we're close friends, you mean you listen to his podcast. <laughs> not, not even that. <laughs> um, so, so given that there is this, you know, as you said, there's this sort of this, this rich folklore built up around it. One of the questions I have is, which of these sci-fi tropes do you think would be most annoying in real life? If these things actually, you know, if these actually emerged into our universe, which would be, which which could you live with, which couldn't you? So clones, by which I mean human clones, specifically of yourself, that you were unaware of. Um, artificial intelligence, aliens, or time travel, which can you live with, which can't you live with? I would say clones, I would be pretty anti because I find myself annoying at the best of times. <laughs> oh, they creep me out. They just, yeah, even that idea. I remember I read a short story in some collection I had years ago and it was called The Clone. Basically, as you, I mean, yeah, a clone arrived of this kid. He was like 15 or something, but then I can't really remember what happened. I, mean, it was, I think it was kind of like in Calvin and Hobbes when he makes so many duplicates of himself and they go around causing trouble. But basically at the very end, he finally got rid of the clone and then he went back into his house and then his mum was like, why are you eating with your left hand? And his dad was like, I thought that mole was on the right-hand side of your neck. And he was like, oh my God, I'm the clone. And I was like, that's horrible. But also, I was like, it's a pretty bad clone. It's, it's, <laughs> that wrong. it's not a mirror image. Yeah, it? yeah. Like, surely, come on. Yeah, accidentally flip horizontal the canvas. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Calvin and Hobbes, that's a really interesting question as to whether that is fantasy or sci-fi. Yeah. I know nothing about Calvin and Hobbes. Is that the one with the, the tiger? Yes, is the tiger real or not? You would love Calvin and Hobbes. It's amazing. And yeah, because we we used to have this discussion, all right, myself and my brother, because I I definitely certainly tried... You don't have a brother, so I don't know what he's talking about. It's the clone. Um, I definitely tried to argue that there were certain situations that arose that could not have happened without Hobbes being real. Yeah. And yet, yeah, I don't know. What were those? What were I don't those know. Like, him... Let's pause the podcast, go and read the entirety of Calvin and Hobbes again. Well, like Calvin gets tied up at one point, and I guess you could tie yourself up, you know, but that one always kind of stuck with Calvin me. Calvin and Hobbes is very much the, the G-rated Fight Club. Apparently in China, they've, <laughs> they've edited the end of Fight Club so that it's just a screen that reads, and then they went to jail. Um, and, and then... <laughs> That's amazing. Don't like clones? Aliens? I don't know why I'm saying I don't like clones. I have a twin brother, uh, <laughs> actually. Oof. So then I think we know exactly why you're saying you don't like clones. <laughs> yeah. Aliens, grand, AI, like, yeah, I get that we're meant to be scared of its creeping power, but I mean, you know, whatever. I don't think we're self-aware enough to build sufficiently threatening AI. I don't think we're aware enough of our own uh, base motives, how much of our how much of our progress and adventure and ill will is driven by boners and spite. Uh, you'd have to be aware of that in order to program that into an AI and then that's the time at which an AI would behave badly. Funnily enough, that was actually the other name for the podcast that we toyed with. Boners and spite. Settled on legitimate lights. Yeah, it was yeah, our yeah. double act in the early noughties. Um, time travel, was that the other time one? Time travel. That'd be kind of handy, right? Oh, so complicated. Exhausting, though. Yeah, so complicated. Yeah, it's hard enough traveling through time at the rate of one second per second. I don't think you could handle anything else. I mean, Michael, we had to travel to, through time just <laughs> to record true. this episode. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty tense. No matter how much older or wiser I get, I don't understand how you don't get the news before we do. Like, like I, I, <laughs> yeah. I still don't understand. And people have explained it to me. And that if you fly across a time zone, you don't actually move in time. It still doesn't make sense to me. It will never make sense to me. Yeah. But it's like when we have, we have listeners who live in Australia, you know, and... And yeah, I'm always like, well, they get the episode first. It's like, no, Hugh, they just they just wake up first, you know. And I was like, mm, I don't know. They seem to get that episode. I do feel quickly. that you guys always make a real song and dance at a New Year's though, just to kind of remind us that that happens there first. You know, you really rub it in our I faces. Mean, if you had the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge, wouldn't you blow some shit off them? That's <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. So this one time you're meant to do a song and a dance, it is. <laughs> to be fair, it is New Year's. Um, uh, I, we normally we talk. I mean, we talked about a lot of the the, the pros of, of, of science fiction. Um, 
What one more question? Uh, I guess just reaching into the cons. Uh, male sci-fi fans, dangerous incels or merely overindulged man children? Discuss. <laughs> Front or back children? Neither. <laughs> no. uh, neither. I think. Uh... Interest in science fiction is is a symptom rather than the disease. Um, I think okay. if you if you are already not very happy in your life, uh, then you might be reaching for comfort, yeah. and science fiction is one of those comforts that, for whatever reason, has been assigned male yeah. um, as a, mm. le- a legitimate interest for men, but in a way that it isn't considered a legitimate interest uh, for women. There's a there's a there's a if you're not very imaginative about the possibilities of your own life, there's a path before you that includes science fiction um, yeah. as, a, as, a, yeah. as a part of your identity. Yeah, and there's a community yeah, yeah. there for you and you can, and you can join that um, if, you're not, if you're not happy with yourself. Um, but also you can just like science fiction because it's good and because it's fun and it doesn't yeah. then um, reflect back in the opposite direction and make you a lonely person. Um, we always talk about this on the podcast when we talk about particularly things that have yeah these big fan groups and it's kind of like as long as yeah as long as your personality isn't liking this thing like if that's the only thing you've got going on maybe there needs to well, be at the same more. time but I think, though i think one of the nice things about science fiction is that it articulates things in rule sets quite often um maybe that's because it's mm. often written by uh people who are on the spectrum but for people who are on the spectrum or people who find it difficult to intuit human rules like you see your you mm. see your kind of stereotypical Star Trek nerd and they're often somebody for whom the structures and norms of Star Trek um, officerhood provide a kind of a moral code Mm. where you go oh this is a Mm. good way to be I can see that it's a good way to be because it's on this show and it's fun to watch and and all of these characters are talking about how how to be a person and I sometimes wonder how to be a person I can be a person like they're a person and even though they are not a person Mm. they are a fiction it can give you a framework um, to understand the world. And I think that's not a bad thing. Interesting. Do you have top three science fiction authors, say, who you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, I think I, I, I find it difficult to prescribe. Uh, it, it sort of depends on your mood and your tastes and all that mm. kind of thing. I, if I, could, I do provide a service uh, to friends occasionally where I'll kind of diagnose them a book that they... <laughs> Diagnose mm. them and prescribe them a book uh, that they in a genre that they might not otherwise have heard. Um, I would say an underserved author who I really really like is Lois McMaster Bujold, who has written a series called uh, the Vorkosigan series, beginning with Shards of Honor and Barriar, and it includes among other things um, the very first character that I encountered, who was a female character who was sensible. <laughs> so Alice, this is clearly fantasy. <laughs> yeah. no, no, come on. Uh, and I don't know whether that again, I, it's sort of difficult to, for me to recommend that wholeheartedly because when I encountered it, I was in my teens, and so it was very influential in that way. That mm. something that hits you at the right time mm. can be really profound, and mm. I will not hear a word against it. And I love it so much; it's so great. Uh, yeah. Whereas objectively, it might not be that good. Uh, for example, you should never. Uh, recommend a book you read on a plane or a movie you watched on a plane or after a breakup because your perspective on it will be completely <laughs> skewed. Um, yeah. you know, it made me weep uncontrollably for four and a half hours. You're like that. Alice, we're going we're gonna, to uh, r- wrap it up there. We've, we've taken a lot of your time. We really, really appreciate you coming on the show. You know what? You so, know so much about this topic that I, in, in my role as producer, I'm not even going to give Hugh and Will a vote this week. I think the question, uh, yeah, I know, it's the, this is the only time we've done this. The question yeah. as to whether or not sci-fi is a legitimate like. It's, also it's the first time I've agreed with you, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's entirely up to you. Do I say that it, I mean... Yeah, we're going to get it. Yes. A, yeah, <laughs> okay. Yes, obviously. <laughs> obviously, it's a legitimate like. Uh, Alice, before you go, in, how much do you think sci-fi informs your work? Because, like, Savage is one of my favorite solo shows I've ever seen. It's unreal. And you can get it on Amazon. It's absolutely exceptional. It's so, so brilliant. And there's a thing you said in that about uh, talking about the unfinished being infinite. That I was like, oh, my God. A, like, super, super great poetry writing. Well done. But also funny. Also sad. Also, it sounded like real science-y scientist-y. Do you think that it informs your <laughs> your stand-up, your writing, or is that too huge a question? 
No, it's not too huge a question. It definitely informs my stand-up, my writing, fantasy, uh, romance, um, science fiction, genres of all kinds. Poetry informs my writing a lot in the way that you kind of filter and absorb all of your influences and, and spit them out in a way that is um, not unlike, but importantly, very unlike an AI. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think certainly my idea that art should be satisfying, that it should feel good for the audience, um, even when you're exploring really dark or really terrible things certainly informs Savage and informs my work in general. I sort of don't really get why people love it to watch an artist have a nervous breakdown on stage. (laughs) Like, I get that there's a sort of a thrill to it, but surely you want to see a show and come away with something and feel like you've, you you know, like in a small way, become a better person as as a function of watching the show. Um, So, yeah, I think in that way... Yeah, science fiction and the possibilities of, of the world definitely inform my writing. Hmm. And where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me online at, at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E, alliterative, <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram, or patreon.com slash Alice Fraser is a one-stop shop full of my stand-up specials, podcasts, and blogs. You can get all my stand-up specials there for free. Uh, and also I do weekly tea with Alice salons, uh, which is like this podcast. We're in a Zoom room, we have a chat, uh, and I do writer's meetings if you're working on your own thing. Um, also, I do The Gargle, a weekly glossy magazine. It's satirical news without the politics. Amazing. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And certainly, as, as, uh, as, a, as I say, a 15-year listener of The Bugle um, and a fan from the very start and a big fan of Andy Zaltzman, I do feel that in the sort of more recent iteration, I feel that... I, I, I always say, and, and I won't just single you out, I think that you and, you and Nish Kumar really helped Andy sort of bring that podcast back to life, I think. Yeah. Which is saying nothing against Andy for the interim period, but there was kind of a period where it was... You know, he was, Andy was in and out with it, and I think it was, uh, it's just, yeah, it's great. And, well, uh, I, th- I think certainly that it felt a little bit f- for the podcast itself. I won't speculate on Andy's um, uh, personal feelings, but I think for the podcast it felt like the, the floor had been pulled out from under it a little bit um, because it yeah. was so much about the dynamic between the two men, between John Oliver and, and Andy. And you could see towards the end John was having less and less time to write, and Andy is always mm. so prolific, so it started to get very – it started to feel more and more like Andy's show. But it relied so much on John's presence. And then when he tried to reboot it for the second season, it was just finding his feet on this new landscape, mm. whether he was going to be the boss and have a guest. Uh, I don't think he wanted to bring in a, another co-host because key man risk had evidently proven yeah. uh, sort of devastating um, – in, in the prior instance. And so I think, first of all, having two guest hosts for the most part uh, and then mm. finding the people whose voices gelled with his in new and interesting ways. Um, and I was lucky enough for whatever reason to um, be, be one of the people who early on kind of hit the stride. Um, it was ridiculous yeah. at the time. My brother was like, are you paying people to write nice comments about you online? Because it was just, it was such, I mean, this is the internet. It was just so overwhelmingly positive, the response I got after my first time on. And it was so delightful. Um, But I just felt like I'd bought a house and then I got to overlook this incredible garden that John and and Andy had spent 10 years cultivating. And Mm. I was like, it's my garden too now, you know? It's really, really lovely. If it's helpful for for balance, we could send some of our fans to put some nasty comments in, if that would be, like, <laughs> put some children on the back of the podcast. No, if they still, I still, you know, I'm, an, I'm a woman on the internet occasionally. I'll, I got a real classic the other day. Mm. I got a, uh, I hope you get raped and die in a ditch, uh, which is like, oh, that's old school. Well done. Wow. Yeah, that's, you know? yeah. that's like you got that out of the, te- that's on the first page of the textbook of how to yeah it looks like one of those microsoft paperclip things again it's it's like it's like the time travel <laughs> rule from from yeah. back to the future they just yeah. took the like the, yeah. the trope yeah um well i presume that the bugle will publicize us just as much as we're publicizing <laughs> the bugle now. um so yeah that's, that's the deal um, code. alice thanks so much for coming on it's been absolutely amazing having you and i think we definitely weren't prepared for the level of knowledge and insight that you <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. I, felt, I felt really underprepared <laughs> um so i'm glad that i have uh, not dropped the ball on you guys um thank no, you for no having problem. me this has been so much fun and i hope thanks that so much for coming. i hope that your very cute baby is 
managing without you for the last yeah, hour. I, I think she'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> she's 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 earning her keep already. <laughs> and maybe we we'll have to get you back on to talk about romance fiction as well. Uh, but we'll do uh, some goddamn we'll reading. Yes, I'll, get, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll send you a reading list. I, I genuinely do. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to us just being like. God, I guess Star Wars is something, <laughs> right? I'd be a droid. Um, Will, thank you for co-hosting. You're so as welcome. Always. Thank you, Hugh. It's been a pleasure. Michael, see you never. <laughs> thank you for listening to Legitimate Likes. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you did, we have lots of other episodes, some sci-fi related. We have episodes on Star Wars and The Matrix and some on other things like bananas, gyms, zoos, vegetarianism and Tom Cruise. Please rate and review us. Give us five stars on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please check out the wonderful Alice Fraser. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.